You've just tuned into the Unify podcast from Unify Youth. Our goal is to equip young people with the Word of God so they can live empowered in Christ and tackle the challenges of this world. Tune in for weekly sermons, devotions, and interviews. Welcome to the Unify podcast. Well, the act of hearing is part of our everyday life. All of us listen to or hear nearly all day. You've been at school all day, you've had classes, you were hearing your teachers, you were hearing your friends at lunchtime, you went home and uh, you listened to music or you were hearing a video. And right now, hopefully you're hearing me as well. And of course, we have those moments where someone is trying to tell us something really important, but no matter how hard we try, it's in one ear and it's out the other. We've all been there. Well, in our passage tonight, James wants us to hear the most important thing that we could ever hear. He wants us to pay very close attention to it. And not only does he want us to hear, but he wants us to go one step further and actually do. And understanding our passage tonight will unlock the epistle of James for you. If you can wrap your head around this message, then it will unlock James. As we read our passage tonight, the message is clear. Faithful living demonstrates living faith. Faithful living demonstrates living faith. In other words, the Christian's responsibility is to be both hearers of the word and doers of the word. And we'll see this responsibility as we make two observations tonight. Uh, Firstly, there is hearing the word, hearing the word, verse 19 to 21. And secondly, we'll look at doing the word. Very straightforward, isn't it? Hearing the word, doing the word, verse 22 to 27. But before we go to our passage tonight and read it together, would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for this evening that we've been able to enjoy together so far. And now as we come before your word, Lord, would you give us ears to hear? Would you help us to listen carefully to your word? Would you help me to preach clearly? May all that are here Would they know that faithful living demonstrates living faith? Would they look at their own life and see whether they are living faithfully? Help us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, firstly, hearing the word of God. Let's see our responsibility. Read from James 1, 19 with me. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Now, as we established last week, James is writing to Christians that are scattered. These Christians are scattered and uh, they're being persecuted. They're being tempted to give up on their faith. And instead of following after God, they're being tempted to follow after the world. And immediately, Uh, James wants to remind these Christians of something that is really important. That's that they need to hear the word of God. He wants to remind them of this. He gives us three commands about hearing and our speech. He says this, firstly, be quick to hear. This is the first thing that he says, be quick 
to hear. When we're communicating with someone else, our reaction often is to speak, isn't it? It's, it's to jump the gun and it's, it's to fix their problems right away. But James says, instead of immediately talking, it should be immediately listening. In fact, in many circumstances, listening is actually far more helpful than talking. He says, be quick to hear. He says, after that, be slow to speak. Our quickness to hear is coupled with slowness to speak. We must not be hasty. Perhaps you think that your first and your fast words are uh, the most, your most authentic self, that your instincts are always right, uh, that often actually isn't really the case and actually isn't usually the most helpful. What James is saying here is that slowness to speak means giving what you say serious consideration. Uh, not just coming out with the first thing that comes to your mind, but giving it consideration, being a listener first. When I was in high school, I had no filter. And to be honest, even uh, sometimes I still have no filter, but uh, uh, slowness helps us to filter. It helps us to be considerate of what we are saying. And we need to be considerate in not just what we say, but in how we say it and in who we are saying it to. Not just what, but how and who. We need to be quick to hear and slow to speak. And then he says this, be slow to anger. Be slow to anger. Often when we don't listen and instead we speak quickly, our anger rises up too, especially as the person we're talking to isn't listening or does the complete opposite. We get very quick uh, to be angry. We're quick to defend ourselves no matter the cost. We erupt in frustration towards others. We are angry and this anger is not a righteous anger. This anger that swells up, it swells up from a selfish heart. It's the anger of man. And if we are honest, we have this habit, don't we? Of just the opposite just the opposite of what James is teaching here. We often fail to listen. We are fast to speak and we are quick to anger. And if this is your experience, then it might be symptomatic of an even deeper problem. There might be something far deeper that is going on here. Our slowness, slowness and failure to listen when we are quick to speak and quick to anger, it might be symptomatic of our failure to hear and receive the word of God. You see, James isn't only writing about how we relate to each other. James is writing about the word of God. He is commanding us to hear the word of God. Back in verse 18, James said that God by the word of truth made us born again. And so there's this relationship that the believer has to the word of God. And God uses his word to save us and he continues to use it in an ongoing manner to sanctify us. It's God's way of speaking to us today. And so we must pay close attention to it. When we hear the word of God preached or we read it, we must pay careful attention to it. Instead of acting hastily, first, we must be hasty to listen. We must hear the word of God. And when we look around and we look within, creation and conscience are enough to testify to God's existence. 
there is enough inside of you to know that God is true. You have a conscience. There's enough out there to demonstrate that God is true. Look at creation in its complexity. It speaks to the reality that there is, in fact, a creator. But that knowledge is only enough to condemn you. It tells you that God is real, but it's only enough to condemn you. It's not enough to save you. And so we need to know who God is. We need to know who we are, how we can be saved, and how we can continue to walk and grow in the faith. And so it's essential for us that we hear the word of God. Paul wrote in Romans 10:17, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. In order for us to have faith, we need to hear the word of God. And this is the same witness of the rest of scripture too. Psalm 1 tells us, blessed is the man whose delight is in the law of the Lord, rather than the counsel of man, or sitting with the scoffers. It is God's word that we are to delight in. Jesus said, John 10, my sheep hear my voice. Those that belong to Jesus, Jesus give attention to what Jesus says. He says, I know them. They follow me and they hear me. They hear my voice and I give them eternal life. But it's natural for us to want to not listen. Instead to speak loudly and to be full of anger. That's our experience, isn't it? But that's precisely the reason why we need to hear the word of God. Read on verse 21. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. There is a way that we are to receive the word of God. James tells us we must put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. And here's the question. How can you receive the word of God if your heart is hard? If your heart is callous from sin, if you are wearing the clothes that you once were wearing, well, that's who you once were before you were washed and before you were saved by God. James says, have nothing to do with it. Put it away, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. And then he says this, in meekness, receive the word of God. In meekness. And the idea here is humble submission. It is for us to humbly submit. It is setting aside your flesh in humility. And instead of following after your flesh, you are submitting to the word of God. Submitting to it, even if your sinful flesh disagrees with it. Not assuming that you should know better than the word of God. That the word of God is this thing that is just old. That it doesn't understand the struggles that we face today. That it, it, it understands people a few thousand years ago, but how can it possibly understand the modern TikToker and social media influencer? How can it understand my high school context, especially when most people then didn't even get an ed education? Well, no, the Bible knows you better than you know yourself. That's the truth. The Bible knows you better than you know yourself. Why? Because it's not merely the words of man. It's the word of God. And the word of God has more authority than the combined authority of all the kings and queens, all the emperors and rulers, all the presidents and prime ministers 
of this world. James calls it the implanted word, the implanted word. And in Hebrews 8, we read about the word of God being implanted in the hearts of everyone who has put their faith in Jesus under the new covenant. And this was prophesied by the prophet Jeremiah. And it says this, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, into their minds and write them on their hearts. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. Rather than the law of God, the word of God being written on stone tablets, God inscribed it on the hearts of every believer. And now where God's people had failed to keep the law in the past, now under the new covenant, we can keep it because of the Holy Spirit's work implanting it into our hearts. He does this when we hear and when we read the word of God. And so we must let it take root. We must let it grow, influencing everything we say, everything we think, everything we do, our head, our heart, and our hands. And then he says this, the implanted word is able to save your souls. It is able to save your souls. This is the initial salvation that we receive from God, but it's also more than that. It goes beyond that. It is our continued sanctification awaiting the day of total and final salvation at the return of the Lord Jesus. God has saved us and he is still saving us. He is making us right for his kingdom when he returns. He's conforming us. He's making us look like the image of his son and his work will be completed when his son Jesus returns. That's how powerful the word of God is. That is how powerful the word of God is. The word of Matt can't save you. The word of Matt can barely change you. And if it does, it will probably only be for a short bit but the word of God, the word of God saves sinners. The word of God sanctifies saints. The word of God can truly set you free from sinful habits, from addictions, from evil emotions. Have you wrapped your head around that? How amazing the effects of the word of God are. And so why wouldn't we seek it out? Why wouldn't we long to hear it every opportunity that we can get to listen to it, to read it for ourselves every chance? But here's the problem. We spend so much time filling our minds with things that simply aren't helpful. We spend far more time doing that, filling our minds with noise, with distractions, social media, movies, TV shows, anime. We hear every other voice. We seek after every other voice. But do you hear the word of God? Have you been listening to it as it is preached on Sunday? Are you listening to it right now? Do you have devotion time with God's word? And believe me, I get it. I understand it. It can be hard to listen when God's word is being preached. There's so many things that distract us that are on our mind. And the social media that we use, the entertainment we, con we consume is actually manufactured in such a way to keep and grab 
our attention. And the problem is when we fill our minds with so much of these things, the problem is we lose the ability to sit and read or sit and listen to God's word. One thing that you can employ practically in your life that will really help you, and believe me, I'm probably the most distractible person here, take notes on your handout. When you get a handout, take notes. Write down the things that you think are the most important that's being said, the things that are the most interesting to you. Write them in your Bible on a notebook. Ask God beforehand to help you to focus and ask him to help you take notes. Just write the things down that's important. And it's so beneficial for us to do this because we need the word of God. We need to hear the word of God. We naturally have problems. We're quick to anger. We're quick to speak. Filthiness and wickedness can be in our hearts. We need the word of God to save us. And we need the word of God every day to grow us too. And so don't follow after the wisdom of this world. Don't follow after your heart. We've all heard that message. Instead, we need to follow God. God who is holy and whose words are always true. You can fill your mind with so much on the internet. How much of it is actually true? How much of it can you really trust? How much of it won't change? How much of it is fiction? But the word of God is always true. If you want to grow and mature as a Christian, listen to God's word, read God's word, receive into yourself God's word. But here's the thing. You can hear the word of God. You can listen to the word of God, but your faith is still dead. You can hear the word of God. You can be a hearer of his word, but not a doer. And if you're not a doer, but you are a hearer, your faith is dead. Remember, faithful living demonstrates living faith. And simply hearing the word of God without also doing it is not faithfully living. Therefore, it's dead faith. You can't do the word of God unless you know the word. And this is why James started with hearing the word of God. But now he moves on to the next step, not staying hearers only, but being doers. Second, let's read verse 22 to 27 and see our responsibility to be doers of the word. Verse 22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. A true follower of Jesus doesn't just listen to him. A true follower of Jesus also obeys him. James says it here, verse 22. If you were a hearer only, but not a doer, you were deceiving yourself. In other words, you might call yourself a Christian. You might self-identify as a Christian. 
But unless you do the word of God, you're deceiving yourself. In fact, being a hearer and then a doer is a demonstration of your faith. Faithful living demonstrates a living faith. Obedience isn't optional. It's not an optional part of our Christian walk. Now, obedience isn't what saves you. Don't misunderstand that. Christ alone saves you. But the authenticity of your faith is demonstrated by your obedience to the word of God. God isn't just concerned with what you know. He isn't just concerned with what you believe. Even the demons believe. God is concerned with what you do. What good is it if you know lots of stuff, but you don't actually do it? If you know what the Bible says, if you know lots of things that you've grown up learning about God, you know how God wants you to live, but you don't actually do it. You keep it in your head, but it doesn't reach your heart and it doesn't reach your hands. James says that hearing God's word, but not doing God's word is like a man who looks in a mirror. He sees his own reflection. He sees that there is filthiness and uncleanness. He discovers what he wouldn't know unless he looked. There is sin. And the mirror, like the law of God, is showing him that he desperately needs help. That there is something ugly going on in that reflection that the word of God has revealed in his life. He needs help. Something needs to change. Something needs to be fixed. And yet, what does he do? He purposefully forgets. He doesn't just forget because something else pops up. He does it on purpose. He ignores it. And he turns away. He sees the hatred that he has for his brother in his heart because the word of God has exposed his evil deeds. And he simply rejects the truth. This is us when we see there is a problem. When the word of God convicts us, when the word of God challenges us, when it commands us, and we simply do nothing about it. If that's you, then you are a hearer of the word, but you are not a doer. And truly, what foolishness is that? Perhaps this comes from pride not wanting to admit that you're wrong, that I'm wrong, I've experienced this. We've all been there. Perhaps it comes from laziness. Perhaps this is you. You may think this, I don't care what the word of God says. I'm not going to do it. I don't like what it says. It makes me feel uncomfortable. It means that I have to give something up that I really love doing. Maybe I'll take it more seriously when I'm older. Once I've tried what I've wanted to try, once I've lived my life. But the truth is, if that's you, you're not really alive. You're already dead. You're spiritually dead. You're the exact person like me that Jesus came to die for. And you desperately need him. And if that's you and you are not right with God now, 
then at once you need to obey Jesus's command to repent from your unbelief and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God who took your place to save you from your sin. And it's Christ alone that saves you. No amount of good works, no amount of doing can save you. It is simply Christ. And you need him because your obedience isn't enough. Instead, you need his obedience. After all, what can a dead man do? Trust the one who gives life, who is alive, gives everlasting life. Read on verse 25. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. This is how James describes God's word. The perfect law. The law of liberty. God's word is perfect. It is true. And it's described as the law of liberty. Without Christ, the law is a burden to us. It truly is a burden. It makes us feel guilty about our sin, and it should without Christ. But in Christ, because he perfectly fulfilled the law on your behalf, it is not a law of guilt. It's not a law of bondage. It's a law of liberty. It's a law of freedom. And it gives us freedom from sin through Christ and teaches us rather how to live faithfully. That perfect, liberating word of God is what the Christian is to look to and look to the one who proclaimed it and who is proclaimed in it and fulfills it, the Lord Jesus. This is the liberation that the word of God brings. Turn for a moment in your Bible to John 8:31 and listen to the words of Jesus. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, then you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. They answered him, verse 33, we are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone, which by the way is ridiculous. They were enslaved to the Egyptians. How is it that you say you will become free? Verse 34, Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my words find no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father and you do what you have heard from your father. And who is their father? Jesus goes on in verse 44 to say, their father is the devil. In fact, the, te the text tells us that these Jews believed in Jesus. Look back at verse 31. They believed in Jesus. But Jesus said, no, you are of your father, the devil. Why did he say that? If they believed in him. Because even though they believed, they did not abide in the word of God. They were neither hearers or doers of the word. In the closing to the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, 
Matthew 7, 24 to 27. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. But the one who hears them and doesn't do them is a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. That's a paraphrase. And remember what happened when not only the trials of life, but the greatest trial of all, the judgment of God came. The one who hears and does the words of Jesus stands. The hearer and the doer stands. But the one who hears but does not do falls. And great was their fall. Dear Christian, it is critical that we not only hear the word of God, but that we do it too. Otherwise, when the greatest trial of all comes, the judgment of God, if you are found to be a hearer only, then you will fall and great will be your fall. And I would hate to see that. But if you are a hearer and a doer, then you will stand firm on the rock of the words of God. Verse 26. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. That's what it looks like to be a hearer and a doer of the word of God. Our tongue is bridled. In other words, it's not quick to speak. It is slow to speak. It's under control. It is under self-control. And faith is practically lived out in the believer's life. The widow and the orphan that needs help is helped. The one struggling, your friend that is struggling, is helped. Sin residing in our heart is fought against. Unity amongst believers is sought. Living a life pleasing to God is pursued. This is what it means to have living faith. Faithful living by hearing the word of God and doing the word of God. So to close, I ask you this. How do you respond to the word of God? How do you respond to the word of God? Are you a hearer and a doer? Because it's not simply enough to be one, but not the other. The Christian needs to be both. So stop for a moment and ask yourself, think as I ask you this. Do you hear the word of God and receive it? Reading it for yourself, paying careful attention when it's preached on Friday, on Sunday, letting the implanted word take root and affect, influence all of you. Do you do the word of God, seeking to be obedient to it, following what it says, delighting in it, conforming to the likeness of Jesus Christ? True faith, living faith, is demonstrated by faithful living. We can only know how to live faithfully if we hear and read and receive God's word. But hearing it isn't enough. We must also obey it. Ask yourself, are you living faithfully? Let's pray.
Lord, we are so quick to speak. We are so failing in listening. We are quick to anger. We neglect to go to your word. Sometimes we even hear it, but we neglect to actually do it. Lord, would you help us, each of us that are here? If there is any that is here that both rejects to hear the word of God and rejects to obey it, would you work in their heart? Would you turn their heart of stone into a heart of flesh? And would they long to hear your word and to obey it and to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal savior? Lord, for others of us that are here that hear it, that listen to it, and yet sometimes we forget or we neglect to obey it, would your spirit convict us and help us to conform to your word, to conform to your son, the Lord Jesus Christ? Would you help us in our discussion groups as we have more conversations surrounding these topics. Help us to have open hearts ready to share. In Jesus' name, amen.